0: Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom.
1: Hey, Bozo. How are you today? I hope you're having a wonderful day so far. My name is Bailey Sarian, and today is Monday, which means it's Murder, Mystery, and Makeup Monday. <laughs> i out of breath, I should really work out. If you're new here, hi, how's it going? My name is Bailey Sarian and on Mondays, I sit down and talk about a true crime story that's been heavy on my noggin and I do my makeup at the same time. If you're interested in true crime and you like makeup, I would highly suggest you hit that subscribe button because I'm here for you on Mondays. But other than that, let's get into today's story. Today's story, let me tell you, it has been described as one of Los Angeles most gruesome crime scenes in history, history. It's often compared to the Black Dahlia murder in terms of level of gore. That's what we're getting into today. Blake Liebel, yeah? He was born on May 8th, 1981 in Canada and he was just a normal guy, right? Always friendly, people liked him but I think it's safe to say that he had a very privileged upbringing, you yeah. know? His dad, his name was Lorne, he's a prominent Toronto real estate mogul. So he, Blake's father, had developed thousands of homes with his father and brother. So grandfather and uncle to Blake. Anyways, so it made the family pretty well off, you could say. They were doing pretty damn well for themselves. Anyhow, so his mother, Blake's mother, she was she was not a nobody, you could say. Blake's mother, her name was Eleanor. She was an heiress of a major plastics production company in Canada. Yeah, this company, they made all kinds of like different plastic products. And her dad, uh, Blake's grandfather, he owned a bunch of patents. So we're talking about like rich, 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 super rich. Blake, he also had an older brother and his name was Cody. So with parents like that, you know, very successful parents, they, this is an assumption here, but they probably felt like they had to do something big and important with their lives. I don't know. I don't know though, so don't quote me. So unfortunately Blake's parents, mom and dad, they couldn't make the marriage work. So they ended up splitting up, right? but they also decided to split up the boys, which is weird, I I guess. Like not only are you not living with both of your parents anymore, but now your brother is gone or your dad because you're just never gonna see them again because they didn't like switch it around. So the two boys, they were only a year apart. So it's like they had a pretty close relationship, but one went with the dad and one went with the mom. And that was that. So the the boys, they ended up growing up completely apart um, once their parents had split. Cody went and lived with his dad and Blake went to go live with his mom. And it was pretty safe to say that they did well. You know, it wasn't like hard times. They were both still growing up in their life of privilege and luxury and all that stuff, you know. (laughs) I guess it was said that Blake was feeling some sort of way cause he was jealous that his brother got to hang out more with the father and his father seemed to favor him a lot more. I mean, how could you not think that when you're a kid and you don't get to see your dad? I mean, it's probably true, no offense, I don't know. So it just seemed like he had some like very deep jealousy issues, but we'll circle back to that. So the boys grow up and then they both end up moving to Los Angeles, California. Cody decided to follow in his father's footsteps and he became a real estate developer and he would be working on multi-million dollar projects. He was also a founder of a record company that didn't last long, but he tried, you know, he tried. And Cody was also in business with a major restaurant and nightclub owner. So, I mean, he always kind of seemed to find something to do. They all did. Cody also had some more interesting claims to fame. He kind of was like a big man on campus in the Hollywood scene. He definitely liked to be out in the public eye and like rub elbows with the famous people. Cody was also known for the super secret poker ring that he was in, which is not so much a secret if it's like part of your identity, but you know. Did you ever read the book Molly's Game? Or or watch the movie? It was really good. You should watch it or read it, whatever you prefer. Uh, Molly's Game, okay? Cody was supposedly part of that poker ring and played with big celebrities like Tobey Maguire, Leonardo DiCaprio, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon. So I guess Cody was in on that. And he was also known for honestly being really bad, like not winning any games. I guess, well, rumor has it, who knows? But rumor has it that there was one time where he lost over a million dollars in just one game. I know, fuck us. We get it. So Blake, he was like stereotypical trust fund kid. Okay. He joined in with his older brother in the high stakes celebrity poker games. But in terms of his career goals, Blake pursued more of the creative arts. He was an artist. After attending the University of Western Ontario in 2004, Blake joined a bunch of um, his college buddies who had moved out to Los Angeles. So Blake really wanted to direct movies and he definitely had the money to help pave the way for him, you know? nothing stopping him, great. Blake was also known amongst his friends to be like, he had really cool ideas, but he never was able to execute these ideas. You know, like he was just, Full of ideas, but never went anywhere with it. It didn't matter how much money you threw at it. He just, I don't know. He wasn't reliable, I guess we could say. A lot of people thought Blake was like this genius, um, but others felt like he was maybe just a really smooth talker. And he was just trying to suck you in to like some grand scheme that just never paid off. Finally, Blake was able to use his money to get like in the door a little bit, okay? Blake ended up directing a low budget film called Bald. Yeah, Bald. It got 2.6 stars on IMBD, so that's better than no stars. That's better than no stars. So he directs that movie. And after he directed that movie, he went on to work on an animated series with Mel Brooks. Now I had no idea that they turned Spaceballs into an animated TV show. Did you? I didn't, when did they do that? I forgot, I forgot to look that up, but I didn't know that and they did and Blake worked it on it. Well, he directed and consulted on it and Blake also did some screenwriting. Um, But one thing that he was kind of successful at was writing graphic novels. That's where he was pretty good. He was pretty good. So he was pretty successful at writing graphic novels. So if you don't know what a graphic novel is, cause I really didn't know what a graphic novel was. A graphic novel is kind of like a more intense comic book, you know? So the story is told through through art, like a comic book, but it's usually longer with more complicated and in-depth storylines, I guess. Blake's most successful project was a graphic novel titled Syndrome. Yes, Syndrome was originally published in 2010. And it's about a neuropathologist who was hell-bent on figuring out what is the root of all evil. So he experiments on serial killers and hopes to try and find a cure for the evilness that is inside of them, no matter what it costs him. And the scientist, he never seems to find the cure. And Blake ends the book by saying, quote, in the end, we all become monsters, end quote, which is, so freaking creepy when you know where this goes. Now, the story in the graphic novel is also pretty freaking violent, okay? And the images that help tell the story are very disturbing. I mean, for example, like the cover of the book is a Photoshopped picture of a baby doll head with most of the brain and skull removed. No, the skull's removed and the brain is exposed. Big difference. So right off the bat, that's a little warning of the type of stuff you may be seeing inside the book. And the book itself, it included some incredibly gory illustrations of two people hanging by their feet, completely drained of blood, which again is creepy knowing what's coming up. There are also illustrations of a woman's body laying on a blood soaked mattress uh, and she's missing her head too. Yeah, maybe just store this information in the back of your noggin, cause it's gonna come up and you're gonna be like, what the fuck? I'm sorry, you're gonna be like, what the hell? What the heck? What the Sam Hill? One of those. What the chicken scratch salad? What the Bob Barker? I like chicken scratch sandwich. What the chicken scratch sandwich? So if you put that disturbing graphic novel aside, I guess Blink would be considered a catch. I mean, he had money. He came from a well-off family. He had celebrity friends, or at least hung out with celebrities. So it's like, oh my God, eh, he's somebody. And bitches love that. So with that being said, in 2006, Blakey, he meets a woman named Amanda. Now Amanda was, or is, she's a former model, okay? Now, just like everybody else, she's got some baggage. Okay, so she meets Blake. She's like, oh my God, yes, you're so great. And she tells him like my last relationship was such a disaster. And this guy, Blake, like he is just the opposite of my last boyfriend. He's not dead or in prison. Many would say that when it came to Blake and Amanda, it was like a opposites attract type of deal. You know, like Amanda was this outgoing party girl and Blake was introverted, nerdy, whatever the hell that means. But you know, maybe she was trying something new. Cause her last boyfriend didn't work out for her. Not blaming her, not blaming her. Just saying to me, she's trying something new. Amanda and Blake date for a few years before marrying in 2011. But at that time, Amanda was already pregnant with their first son. And they seem to like genuinely just love each other. Some speculated, I don't know, that they were getting married because they're having a son and it was for like legal purposes. I feel like that's a rich people thing. So it kind of makes sense, but Maybe they just loved each other, maybe. Okay, so Blake wasn't really making a lot of money from his graphic novels. He was actually getting a monthly allowance from his parents and then using that to pay for everything. Blake was getting $18,000 a month from his parents for just being born. And he got just over $1.7 million over eight years until 2011, and that's when his mom Blake's mom had died of brain cancer. That's sad. And that's when the payments ended up stopping. So Blake is kind of panicking because he has no other source of income at all. How is he gonna support his wife, Amanda and their newborn son? What's he gonna do? Get a job? Of course not. Blake is like, I know what I'll do. I'll sue my dad for the money from mom's estate. You know, since they split up and I lived with her. It's only fair that I get everything." It kind of makes sense because like, no it doesn't, but it kind of makes sense because a lot of stuff went to his dad and they were like divorced for so long. Maybe they th- they still liked each other though. Well, obviously she left him a bunch of stuff. What I'm getting at is his mom's estate was worth about $12 million, but the court only ends up awarding Blakey about half. So $6 million, great math. I'm sure you and I could be like, wow, Jack fucking pot. Great, I'm retiring. You'll never see me again. But, 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 and there's a big but. Blake was not happy. He was very disappointed with this amount. He wanted the full 12 million. I was about to say 12,000. Okay, so Blake's not happy. Now he's trying to fight this, right? Cause he thinks he deserves it all. Now the two main reasons why the courts only awarded him half. The first reason was because Blake didn't go to his mom's funeral. Blake's friends said that Blake couldn't handle it because he was super close with his mom and like it was just too much for him, you know? And, and his friends also said that his mom was his whole world and her death was like really hard for him and that's why he didn't go. But the courts didn't see it that way. They're like, mm, they see it as like, you're not wanting to go and now you just want money. Yeah, why didn't you go to the funeral? So last time you get to say goodbye. So he didn't go to the funeral and the courts they saw it as cold and as if he only cared about her money. The second reason was because in the will, his mom left Blake, her condo in Florida, and her really nice house in Toronto. And Blake already got this, and guess what he did with it? He instantly turned around and sold both properties and made several million dollars from the two sales. So it's like bud. Where's your money going? Cause you seem to be doing pretty well. Oh, gambling, duh. Maybe that's where it's all going. In the court's eyes, this kid had already made so much off of his mother and all he was doing was turning around, demanding more money, you know? And to them, like the courts, it's not a good look. You seem real greedy. So they only gave him 6 million. They only gave him 6 million. Only 6 million. Blake keeps going back to the courts like, can I have some more please? Like you're good, Blake, you're good. Some believe that maybe Blake was doing this because he was angry at his dad, that his dad got so much money and like they weren't even together and he felt like, well, I deserve it more because I loved mom. Yeah, so that's what some people were speculating, but it's just an observation. We really don't know. It just sounds like he's greedy, honestly.
0: He doesn't wanna work. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Selling a little or a lot. <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom.
1: So it's around this time that Blake's friends are starting to drift away from him because they notice like a a change in his attitude, a shift in his character. It kind of started when his mother was sick. He became more aggressive. Like, he started acting out. He would throw really awful tantrums, like, if, like, a freaking three year old. And if he didn't get his way, he would just explode at his friends. He wasn't physically violent, but he was definitely verbally abusive to them. So he, like, yelled a lot and he would verbally harass his friends and then call them up and apologize the next day. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean what I said. So his friends. They weren't going to put up with his abuse anymore. No, they were not. They were like, we don't need this. We don't need a friend like you, okay? We don't need anybody like this in our lives. So his friends started dropping him and nobody needs friends like that in their lives. If you have a friend like that, you get rid of them. You do not entertain that kind of behavior. No, you do not. Just ghost them. You could be an adult and like tell them, I guess, but ghosting is easier. But either way, get far away from those people. One of the issues that Blake seemed to have was that he didn't like to be alone and he was getting more and more lonely. So it was kind of like, I hate you, don't leave me kind of deal. You know, and with his bad behavior, no one wants to be around him, but he's like, please don't leave me. It's just toxic and never ends and it's gross. Well, I shouldn't be, yeah, yeah, I should. He's gross, he does terrible things. With all that money, you think he would have like got a therapist. I don't know why people are so anti-therapist. They are just the best. So over the next four years, Blake became super erratic and very paranoid. And then one day during the summer of 2015, just out of nowhere, poof, Blake just picks up and he leaves his wife, Amanda, who might I add, was eight months pregnant with their second child. He just upped and left, okay? It was like a light switch went off and like he just, bye. She's eight months pregnant, middle of summer. Okay, I hear that's like the worst time to be pregnant. And he just up and leaves her, goodbye. So Blake going through some kind of midlife crisis, he had met a new woman and she was just his new world. Who is this mysterious woman? Well, her name is Yana Kasian. Yana, I'm just gonna call her Yana, that's her name. Great, anyways, she was born January 27th, 1986 in Kyiv, in Kiev? Ukraine. Don't come for me. Yana is apparently this beautiful, tall, brunette, dark eyes and a very warm and inviting smile. Her friends and family would describe Yana as like a very happy person with a strong character and a fighting spirit. Most She was just smart as hell too, okay? Because she was studying law in college and later she would work as a tax office prosecutor in the Ukraine. So she's got brains, okay? She was fluent in English and Russian. And she had really big dreams of traveling the world and working as an interpreter. In 2014, while she was in her late 20s, she decided to follow her dreams. And that's when she came to the United States in hopes for, I don't know, like a better future, you know? So she settled down in California, of course, like Los Angeles, and eh, that's where a lot of people, you know, eh, not th- I'm not hating, I'm just saying like eh. <laughs> So she settled down in California and she was able to land modeling jobs, okay? And she started to make like a career out of it. Now it's not clear how or where Blake and Yana met. Amanda's friends, uh, they spread rumors that Yana, remember Amanda is the ex-wife. So one night they find out that Blake is dating this Yana girl, right? So they're all over, you know, typical girls are all over and they start researching her, like looking into her background and they believe that she was working for an escort service and that's probably where they met because they found racy and nude photos of her on a certain website. Escort service or not, Blake was smitten and he was like taking her out on lavish trips, expensive dinners and just spoiling her. Blake also bought her a condo for the two of them to move into and a Mercedes. She's believing that this guy is Magical. Okay, he bought her a car and a condo, great. Now Blake did tell Yana about Amanda, the ex-wife. He didn't hide his past from her and he didn't want like any double life vibes going on, but he did tell her that his marriage was over when in reality, he was still very much married. I'm sorry, I already called her the ex-wife, but at this point they weren't, exes yet because he did file for divorce later that year but by no means were they anywhere near it being finalized and being exes officially so technically he was still married you get it 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 it. good so after a few months of dating Uh, Blake, he proposed to Yana. He's like, I just love you so much. Oh my God. And he proposes to her. And then not long after that, he was now expecting not one kid, but two, because his ex-wife was pregnant. Yana was pregnant. She got pregnant in August of 2015. Yeah, just being very, he's being very messy. And Yana was really excited because she always knew she wanted to be a mother. She just knew it was something she wanted to do. And on May 3rd, 2016, Yana gave birth to their daughter. She was thrilled. So after giving birth to her daughter, it seemed to Yana that her life was pretty perfect. She had a new baby girl, right? Um, She was totally in love with this guy Blakey. And I mean, she was with like a pretty wealthy man who loved her. Can't be mad at that. But Blake was definitely not on the same page. Okay, he was a little stressaholic over here. He, um, based off some text messages that he had sent to his friends, he was worried that some of his brother's gambling debts might cause him to lose everything. I guess his brother Cody had developed a bit of a gambling problem, which we knew about this from the celebrity ring that was going on. But he now also owed quite a lot of money to some Russian mobsters. And Blake now was afraid that they, or other people associated with his brother's gambling game would come after him and threaten his family. It was just gonna get messy and he knew it was gonna get messy and he didn't know what to do. So it was kind of panicking. Okay, so gambling debt, that sucks. Um, But that wasn't the only thing that was stressing Blake out, you see. This little bozo over here, bozo Blake. Yeah, he seemed to have gotten himself into a little bit of a pickle when it came to his love life. You see, he had, a, he had a wife, right? That he was in the process of divorcing, a fiance that had just given birth to their child, and a mistress. So he's juggling three women. Like, how do you have the time? How do you how do, you do that? I don't know. What's, why would you even want that? That sounds like you're gonna have a heart attack or an ulcer in like two minutes three women in her life. Okay. So Blake's third girlfriend, the mistress, she actually worked with him. She was like a storyboard artist. Um, Her name was Constance. And Blake also, he ended up buying her a condo to live in. And it wasn't even that far from the home that he shared with Yana. Yeah, it was like down the street. And I guess it just made it super easy for him. Like just very convenient. He could just pop pop on out, go down the street, pop on into his mistress. This guy is so stupid. I know this guy's such a dumbass. Okay, so he's got all these girlfriends. He's doing the most. We don't know why. It just sounds so stressful. But what Blake didn't know was that Constance, the new mistress girl, she contacted his ex wife, Amanda. Okay, she found her somehow because you know how we are investigators. So she tells Amanda who she was and her reasoning behind the introduction was to tell Amanda about Yana because this Constance girl was like, I found this other girl named Yana and I believe like she's girl number two. Constance just seemed to be very jealous and wanted to make sure that Amanda knew what was going on too. You know, if I'm going down, we're all going down. But they kind of formed a weird friendship over their hatred, their mutual hatred for Yana. Yeah, Yana, not the guy, Blakey, not him. They hate the girl. So they would text each other saying shit like, we should get Yana deported. They were just being evil little rodents. Okay, just nasty. And they're were, they were mad at the wrong person. You, that's not who you should be mad at. You should be mad at Blake, the douchebag over here. What's he doing with three girlfriends? Nobody's worth that. I'm like foaming at the mouth. Um, mm mm-hmm, so they are just being evil little rodents, okay? And either way, the friendship between Amanda and Constance, it was just weird, and they should have been more focused on taking Blake down, but why do girls do that? So Yana, she's having problems of her own. It seems like Blake is extra stressed lately, and it just seems like things are really bubbling up inside of him. He's just like becoming more controlling over her. Um. For example, while Yana was still recovering from her C-section, Blake threatened to leave her if she didn't have sex with him when he demanded it. Yeah, gross ass pig. But I mean, this is the freaking kind of person this guy was, gross. And like, if that's not bad enough, Blake would apparently also ask her if he could leave her to go out with another woman. I mean, I was about to say, at least he's telling her, but it doesn't make it better because he's demanding sex from someone who just gave him a baby, right? And she's healing from surgery. And then he's asking or telling her that he's gonna go sleep with another woman. It's just like, I don't know. This He just had this poor girl under his thumb. Like she was caught up in it all, poor thing. If you have ever been in one of these relationships? Look, a lot of you are thinking, why doesn't she just leave? And let me tell you right now, If you've ever been in one of these relationships, they're really difficult to get out, okay? You become brainwashed, you become stuck, you feel like you can't go anywhere, that without them, you're nothing, they're gonna destroy you, they threaten you. They just consume your whole life and you become like very addicted to this person's love. It's very strange and you truly feel like you can't get out of it. So Yana's mom was coming out, her name's Olga, Olga. So she's coming out and she, you know, she's gonna help her daughter, just had a newborn baby. You know, so mom wants to help and be there for her daughter in this moment. And you know, you know, you know, great. So her mom comes out and then somehow Blake convinces um, Yana's mom to keep the newborn baby at the apartment she was renting. So Yana could take like, take better care of him. The baby was distracting. That baby, no, distracting. You need to take care of me, I'm the baby. That's what Blake is saying. I'm the baby. He asked, can your mom take it? Like, (sighs) anyways, Olga ends up telling her daughter, like, this is not okay, okay. He's controlling you like a hawk. He wants you to do everything he wants. And Yana is like, well, I love him, so it's fine. But her mom is trying to like warn her and help her get out or at least see what's really going on. So super late on the night of May 20th, like it's after midnight, okay. Yana gets a call and it's Blake, you know, Bling, 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 yeah, bling, bling. And she's like, where are you? And like, why aren't you home helping me with our baby? Great questions. And Blake is like, I need you to come bail me out of jail. And Yana's like, what do you mean you're in jail? You know, surprise, he's in jail. Well, she agrees to go out there and post his bail, which is $100,000. She's like, why the hell are you in jail? Well, let me tell you, Blake was arrested on suspicion of sexual assault. Constance, girl number three, she accused Blake of raping her. And now prior to this, Yana, she didn't know about this Constance girl, but boy, did she know now. She knew. She knew now and she was very upset to say the least. Yana didn't just find out about him cheating. Everything was uncovered. She found out about the condo he bought for her. Yeah, that it was just down the street. She could look out the window and be like, oh, okay. He was there. It all came to the surface, like all of his lies, how long it's been going on. I mean, that am just, that's sad, that sucks. So Yana finally stood up for herself and she told Blake that she was done, right? She was done and she's gonna move in with her mother and she can't take it anymore. Good for her. So Yana and the baby move in with her mom at the apartment that mom was renting. And a couple days later, Yana and mom are out shopping for a stroller and Blake is like texting Yana saying like, I'm so sorry, I love you. Like I can't live without you. And mom saw Yana's attitude just completely change. She was like happy again. And she tells her mom like, I'm gonna go see him. Will you keep the baby for a bit? And her mom's not excited about this. She is not thrilled, but she cannot convince Yana to stay home but she takes her granddaughter, the baby, and Yana goes back over to Blake's house or their old condo, you know? So yes, the next day on May 24th, Yana had not returned to her mom's apartment. So Olga is sending her daughter a bunch of text messages like, Where are you? You know? Yes. And she's getting no response. So then she tries to call Yana and she's getting no response. So she keeps calling. She keeps texting like a dozen times, no answer. She leaves voicemails and Yana just never calls her back. So Olga resorts to, I'm laughing because she resorts to sending emails, which means like she's really not responding. So she's emailing her daughter. Like what the hell, where are you? Nothing. At this point, Olga knows that something is not right. Something is very wrong. So mom decides, you know what? I'm just gonna go down to the apartment, not far. And I'm just gonna see what's going on, you know? She has a three week old baby with her and her daughter's missing, right? So she calls the police, okay? She calls them up and they just kind of blow her off saying that Yana hasn't been missing for long enough and they're sure that she's gonna come back. And she, I mean, what are you supposed to do in that case? One of the police officers tell you that, you know, it's frustrating. Mom decides to take matters into her own hands. So Olga, she goes down to uh, Blake and Yana's West Hollywood apartment. And then she sees that there's an open window, right? So she's like standing outside and she's screaming. She's like, Blake, open the door, it's me. So she's yelling, Blake, Blake, you know? Mm-hmm. And Blake ends up coming over to the window and he doesn't even acknowledge her. He just closes the window. And then he just disappears back into the apartment. So Olga's like, oh fuck no. She ends up going around to the uh, backside of the building. And then she finds that another tenant is like leaving the complex. So the door is open and she's able to get in cause it's locked, you know? She ends up getting into the complex and then she goes to Blake's apartment and she's knocking and she's ringing the doorbell and she's getting no answer. And she's like, I know you're in there. I just literally saw you. Stop being dumb. So Olga calls the police again and she's finally able to convince two officers to do a wellness check on Yana. So they come out, they're knocking on Blake's door but Blake refuses to answer. So Blake ends up opening the door and he kind of like starts talking through the door being like, what do you want to the police? Yeah. And they're like, we're looking for uh, Yana and Blake's like, Yana's fine, you can go but the cops are waiting because they want to see her, right? And so they're standing around and they're not leaving. And Blake is telling the police officers and those outside, like, Yana's fine. She doesn't wanna come out. I don't know why, cause this to me doesn't sound right, but whatever. Cause they didn't have any proof that there was a problem. So the police ended up leaving. But I feel like the fact that they didn't see Yana, that should have been proof enough that there was a problem. Cause they never saw her. Blake was just like, yeah, she's fine. What's that, sweetie? Yeah, she told me that she's fine. No, you should leave. So Olga, her mom ends up going home because like there's, she feels like there's nothing she could do. Poor thing. So she ends up going home. And then the next day on May 26, Olga, she's had enough. Okay, she's had enough, and she's gonna take matters into her own hands. She calls 911 saying that she needs their help. And this time the police come to the apartment um, and she tells them that she fears Yana might be in medical distress because she had just given birth. So the police arrive at the complex at 1150 AM on May 26th. They get a key from the realtor, but when they try to open the door, they find that the apartment had been locked from the inside. They had like one of those bar locks in the hotel rooms, you know? So this leaves the cops with the only option to break the door down. So once they get the door down, they walk down the hallway and they see that the door leading to the bedrooms, it was not just locked, but it was also like barricaded with furniture. And it's like, oh, that's weird, right? Whenever it's going on, it's going on in that room. So after cops get through the barricade, they take the door off its hinges and that's when police get their real first understanding of what they might be in for. As they make their way into the master bedroom, they look in the guest bedroom and see blood everywhere. There is blood all over the headboard and on the walls. So when they got into the master bedroom, they discovered that it was also locked and barricaded. And Blake, he got the mattress from the guest bedroom and he put it up against the door. So the police were like, hey, come out. If there's anyone inside, like you should come out. We're here. And uh, Blake calls out from inside the bedroom. He's like, I'm not coming out because you guys are going to beat me up. And the cops are like, well, yeah, of course we are. We're not gonna beat you up. We're looking for Yana, but we might beat you up, you know? They're trying to reassure him that they're not gonna beat him up. So they're asking like, where's Yana? We're just looking for Yana. And Blake's yelling at them like, she's not here. And the cops are thinking like, yeah, freaking right, right? So at some point prior to the police showing up, Blake from inside the house, he had called his accountant um, I thought it was, I would think it was his attorney, but I guess it was an accountant for some reason. The accountant went to the house. Okay. And they uh, showed up with the police and the accountant is trying to talk to Blake to come out of the bedroom with the police. Cause this is a man that like he trusts. So it was gonna work. Finally, Blake is like, okay, I'll come out, but can you uh, pass me some clothes that are in the living room? And the accountant is like, sure, let me go get them. And the cops are no dummies. So they search the clothes and first they find Blake's passport in the pockets and also $4,000 in cash. So clearly the guy was trying to make an escape, right? He's probably gonna jump out the window or something and run for it. The accountant calls out like, hey man, I've got your clothes. And then finally Blake opens up the door and he walks out in only a pair of his boxer shorts. And behind him, the police see a naked body of 30 year old Yana laying on the bed covered by a red Mickey Mouse blanket. So they go in and Yana is pronounced dead at 1.02 PM. So police ask Blake, how did Yana die? You know, And Blake was like, oh, I didn't even know she was dead. I thought she's still alive. Yeah, he's like, I not know she was dead. <laughs> I hate this guy. It's just a waste of our damn time. And the cops are like, yeah, she's dead in that bed right behind you. And then Blake looks at them and goes, well, I guess you'll have to find out who did it then. Science is going to tell you who did this. Yeah, science is going to tell us, Blakey. I want to say this guy has gone completely mental, but I mean, I don't know. The crime scene is reported as the most gruesome murder in the history of Los Angeles, or um, West Hollywood, I should say, if not Los Angeles. And then when the cops are finally able to get into the master bedroom, they find Yana laying on the bed. Her head was on her pillow and she's covered again by that red Mickey Mouse like blanket. It looks like it might've been taken from the daughter's room. And she's covered all the way up to her chin with the blanket. There's a pillow next to her and it has like a fresh indent in it as if someone had been lying next to her. Cops describe her as almost looking peaceful, but there was a large blood stain on the wall that looked like someone had tried to clean it up. When the police first inspect the body, they discovered that she, okay, this is kind of gruesome, kind of gruesome. It's a lot gruesome actually, FYI, okay. When the cops first inspect Yana's body, they discover that she had been scalped. Yeah, scalped. Police find pieces of her flesh in the bed, behind the mattress, and on the floor. They find one of her eyebrows, one of her eyebrows cut off, removed, thrown, thrown on the floor near the bed. And they notice she's missing an ear. The cops also notice something weird about Yana's body. Aside from the mutilation, she was extremely pale. And that's not all that's weird. What's super weird was that there was like a lack of blood at the crime scene. There wasn't a lot of blood, like where was the blood? She was brutally attacked. She was scalped and, you know, she was brutally murdered. There should have been more blood. There should have been blood everywhere. And there were only some spots on the floor next to the bed. uh, But the bed sheet that Yana was laying on was completely clean. So police begin to inspect the crime scene more closely. And that's when they begin to understand what really really happened. Blood spatter evidence suggested that Yana was on the bed when the attack first started. And then in the bedroom, they find a knife and a razor that were probably used on her to do some shit. That's messed up. And after removing the bed sheets, cops find that the mattress is stained with blood, uh, but the sheet was clean and the mattress at the time was dry. So they're like, well, she must have been moved somewhere else in the apartment. So the police come out and they use um, that blue star. It's that like a, what do you call that stuff? It lights up all the blood, like you spray it onto a surface. And if there's been blood on the surface, it lights up blue. You've seen it, it's in all the crime stuff, right? Okay, it's actually fascinating, right? Because you just spray this stuff and it finds blood. They spray it, okay. They spray it in like the bathroom and stuff in the living room and whatnot. And the blue star, it reveals where the blood had once been and like where cleaning substances had been used to remove it, because it wasn't visible to the eye, but it was visible to the blue light. So cops spray the room and it just lights up. Okay, it was bright. It actually lit up the hallway. There was evidence that blood had been on the floors and the walls. Same thing with the guest bedroom. It just looked like a super fucked up like nightclub because it was so blue. It said it was very, very bright. Also investigators go and check the bathroom and in there they find a razor with clumps of dark hair stuck to it. And there are some blood stains and hair in the tub, but otherwise it looks super clean. But of course, when they sprayed that blue star stuff, it the whole bathroom just shined bright like a diamond. It just like was, everything was covered in blood and he cleaned it up. Yeah, just, it, I get, ooh, mm-mm, mm-mm. Police think that maybe after Blake dragged her around the apartment, he then got her into the bathroom and gave her a bath. And when they first arrived, they had noticed that the water was running in the tub and someone went, and turned off the water when the cops first arrived, like yesterday or, you know, the yesterday in the story. I mean, clearly there's concrete evidence that the bathtub was heavily used. Clearly Blake had used a lot of cleaning supplies to clean up that much blood, but there's no evidence of those cleaning supplies inside of the apartment. That's when the police noticed that there's a trash chute like right near the door to their apartment. So they hurry on downstairs to the basement and that's where they get 11 trash bags that are full of evidence. That's where they find the bloody sheets, bloody clothes. And then in the trash bags, they also find a couple of Yana's body parts. They found like her ear and stuff. It was just not ideal, but I mean, they found it, but that's still, whatever, you know, Blake sucks ass. Cops then find a bed skirt, and on this bed skirt it had a bloody handprint, but not just any bloody handprint. Oh nay, nay. It was a handprint that was an exact match to Blake's. They're like, yes, jackpot, hello, we did it. Mystery solved. So cops know for sure that this guy he's involved because Blake at the time was missing the top part of his pinky on his right hand, and so was the handprint. Mystery solved unfortunately just another one that could have been prevented so obviously blake arrested okay taken down to the station and they take his mugshot. shot super weird mugshot because he's like has all these scratches and bruises all over his face and he's like smiling it's just creepy Ugh. so on may 31st blake makes a court appearance and he's wearing his padded he's wearing a padded suicide jacket. He has chains wrapped around his wrist and they cuffed, um, they cuffed in the front of his body. He was being formally charged with murder, torture, mayhem, and aggravated mayhem. mayhem, 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 mayhem. Great. It's just funny cause like, there are so many cases where people plead not guilty and you're like, dude, I don't think they are guilty. You know, like they might actually not be guilty. But then there's like dumb little, Rowboats like this guy. And it's obvious that he's guilty, but he's like, mm, not guilty. Like what's he think is gonna happen? They're gonna agree with that? don't you just be honest. Save us all some damn time. So they give him a test with a psychiatrist to see if he could stand trial. He passes with flying colors. He can definitely stand trial. The prosecution gets to work building their case, right? So the biggest question for them was like, what was the motive? Why did Blake kill Yana? So during interrogation, Blake told cops at one point, quote, women don't like me. If it wasn't for money, women wouldn't like me, end quote. We also know that Blake tried to control Yana after uh, she gave birth, forcing her to have sex with him. So maybe he felt like he was losing control over her. During the investigation, police had a lot of roadblocks. Uh, No one who knew Blake wanted to talk to them, like nobody. No family, no friends. No one wanted to speak on camera. No one wanted to go into court. They didn't even want to like show their face in court at all in the pews. is it? Are they called pews? I always forget to look that up, but no one. So they're a hundred percent relying on evidence for this this whole case. Well, and the autopsy, which good thing they have like hardcore evidence. So some of the biggest pieces of evidence for this case was the autopsy report, which was finally released to the public on September 20th, 2017. It said that Yana, she was killed uh, between May 23rd and May 26th. On her autopsy report, it said that she had a lot of head trauma, but most of all, she had no blood in her system. Like she, okay, look, the average human contains about five liters of blood. Correct? Yes which is about one and a half gallons. Oh, that that really doesn't seem like that much, huh? Okay. Uh, Well, she was found with less than a teaspoon left in her. So ultimately this poor girl bled to death, but it's just like not a super common way to kill somebody. The autopsy report also clearly spells out exactly what the police saw when they entered the bedroom. Yana's scalp was removed from the body. Her skull had been stripped down to the surface of her bone. Actually, there was no scalp present, except for like little bits and pieces on the back of her neck. Portions of the right side of her face were torn all the way down to her jawline. How? What the fuck was this guy doing? I I don't, what was he? Her right ear was missing, okay? There were a shit ton of bruises and cuts on her face, primarily on the left side of her face. She had a human bite mark on the left side of her face. She had lived for at least eight hours approximately after receiving the scalp injury and the bruise on her collarbone, which is awful. Cause that means she was alive during the scalp itch. Just poor Yana, she just, Poor thing. And you know what's sad is like Yana's mother, Olga, she was there at the court listening to all this. Like I could not imagine. I say with Blake, it's just kind of like, some people just deserve to go like off with his head. That's one of these moments. Remember his book? Just saying just saying he might've used it as a blueprint. So when the trial first gets going, the prosecution starts with Olga's testimony. She spoke, uh, she didn't speak English. So she had several court appointed interpreters for the trial, which made it a little bit challenging, but the prosecution showed a lot of photos from the crime scene, just describing how Blake probably used the knife and the razor found in the bedroom and the bathroom to scalp her. And they also just went into really graphic details about what he did to her. And the prosecution also had access to newer technology that was able to show like a 3D model of the crime scene that allowed them to turn on and off the light that showed the blue star. So the jury essentially got to see exactly what the police saw at the crime scene when they were there, which is fascinating. Prosecutors also provided text messages showing that Blake had ordered food from Postmates on several occasions during the time when Yana was most likely dying. He's getting Postmates. Oh good. right? He's still hungry? Oh, good. He like left specific instructions to the Postmates person like do not knock on door, just leave it outside. When he ordered the food, he was using Yana's phone. Maybe he wanted to make it look like she was still alive ordering Postmates, you know? Mm -mm. So then the prosecutors, they also brought up Blake's graphic novel, remember? Syndrome. And remember, remember it had um, those guys hanging by their feet and the woman lying in the bloody bed. The prosecution felt that, like the book pretty much was a blueprint that Blake might've followed for murdering Yana. When Blake was questioned as to why those graphic scenes were in his book, like did he, did he get the ideas from the book? He pretty much told them that he had done a lot of research on serial killers and that's um, what inspired his book, not what, his, what he did to Yana. That was his defense. So the trial ended up lasting only a week. It was an easy trial, it seems like. In June of 2018, after a 90 minute deliberation, the jury, 38 year old Blake was convicted of first degree murder and supplemental charges of torture and mayhem on his fiance, Yana. Oh yeah, as he deserves. He was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole and he is still serving his sentence at California Correctional Institution. He should've got the death penalty, let's be honest. Cody, he was the only family member to show support for Blake, but he refused to make any comments to the press, come out and say anything. He was like, nope, not touching that. Remember Amanda, Blake's ex-wife? She only showed up after the verdict had been read. And despite her initial hatred towards Yana, because Yana stole her husband, Amanda was shocked when she learned about Yana's death And she also cut ties with Constance thinking she was a threat to her and her kids. And she eventually even got a restraining order against Constance. At no point during the trial or after the verdict had been read, did Blake or anyone from his family reach out to Olga to offer child support uh, for the baby. Remember, there's a baby, there's a baby. No one reached out to help. They didn't even ask for like for custody. Not that they should have, but it was like, Do they not care? So Olga, she went ahead and filed a $65 million lawsuit, a civil lawsuit, and a Los Angeles judge ordered Blake to pay her $41.6 million to Yana's family. Will they pay it? I don't know how that stuff works because it seems like they never pay it, right? I don't know, I should look into that. So that my friends is the awful story about Blake LaBelle and how he's completely, what would you call this guy? I want to call him a psycho, but I feel like that word just doesn't do it justice anymore because it's so overused, overused for everything. Like, oh my God, that's psycho. It's like, so what do you call this guy? Like Satan? He's fucking Satan. Okay. He is um, a clown. Not even a clown. He's worse than a clown. He's, ugh, he, ugh. A spoiled little brat who wanted money, didn't get his way, and then just got really angry and then did some sick shit. That's who he is, just a little brat. This one, actually, a lot of you guys asked me what stories give me nightmares and stuff. This story actually gave me a nightmare. I did have a nightmare, I did. I thought about the eyebrow on the floor and I was like, holy shit, what would possess him to do that? Just an eyebrow on the floor? I mean, the whole scalp, yeah, but the, what was up? What was he doing? What? Why was he skinning her? <laughs> like I did have a nightmare. So I'm really sorry if you have a nightmare. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Make good choices. Please be safe out there, okay? But other than that, I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll be seeing you guys later. Bye.
0: Selling a little or a lot.